Hello, I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Tuesday, February 11th. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage, and in some cases, start conversations. We kind of break the rules here for Native Radio. We don't do prayers, and we don't do Buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us. And we do it all right here live from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind you that our audio <laughs> streams live on our website, letstalknative.com. Uh, we take video of the, uh, we, we stream live video of the show on our Facebook uh, group page, Let's Talk Native group page. And um, we post the shows up on SoundCloud after our broadcast. And so they go up on all your favorite podcast platforms. We take video of the show and we put it up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. Uh, you can subscribe to our podcast and catch, uh, catch the shows anytime on demand. And you can subscribe to our YouTube videos, which include, includes this show, my show in New York, and uh, short-form videos that Jake and I work on together. Um, I am the, the show's host and producer, and I'm joined in studio by Jake Proud, who is managing our audio and our video. All right, let's get into it. Um, the last show, we covered uh, what is now turning into a bit of a tinderbox uh, with the, the fight of the um, Wet'suwet'en people um, defending their lands against another pipeline being uh, you know, uh, trying to be pushed through our, our territories. Uh, this is in what is known as British Columbia, although I hate to use the word, um, and on the uh, above the imaginary line that divides uh, a Turtle Island. Um, we, we're seeing a lot of this stuff play out. There's been arrests. There has been assaults. Um, there have there's been acts of solidarity throughout Native territories, mostly on the uh, above the <laughs> the imaginary line. Um, not the least of which has been taking place in uh, Tandanega, uh, which is now under assault by, uh, from what I understand, OPP as well as uh, RCMP. And, uh, and what I'm hearing now is that arrests are being made. So, you know, but the question that always comes up, and, and I see a lot of things on, on posts on Facebook, and, and people are asking, what can we do to help? What can we do to help? And the question is, what can we do? And that's the question. But the answer is, we can do, you know, these are what we can do. There are plenty of things that we can do. And I want to go over through some of those things, but I also want to talk about the things that we categorically, categorically cannot do. And... Obviously, there are things that we we can do that we're not doing, and there's things that we shouldn't do that we are doing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about some of those things. First, let's. I mean, first and foremost, we need to educate. We we need to educate ourselves, and we need to educate others. Now, I know there's a lot of criticism about using social media. You know, we hear the expression "Facebook warriors" and that kind of stuff. But you know what? If that's all you can do, then do that. Then educate people. Share the, uh, you know, try to vet what you're sharing. I mean, make sure that you're you're not, you know, just promoting individuals like false funding, you know, crowdsource funding and that, and that kind of stuff. But share the information. You know, watch the videos, read the stories, understand what the conflict is, and educate yourself, your family, you know, the, the, your community, but also the non-native community. 
educate in any way that you can and by all means use social media twitter i mean younger people are using you know you know snapchat and instagram and all kinds of other stuff whatever you use you know i don't care if you've got i don't care if you've got to write letters to the editor you want to do it that way if you want to make phone calls and send emails i mean whatever you've got to do to share the information we need to educate but i'll tell you first on that we need to educate ourselves and and that'll be evident as I go through, go through some of the things I want to talk about today. Education is 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 a key because we can't even we can't even determine what to do if we don't know why we're doing it. So I think I think education is key, and there's a lot of good information out there. There are a lot of good sources, and you know, as just like with anything, look, the the mainstream media it, it sucks. But there are these guys who, who become Facebook famous, and and they try to, you know, turn themselves into heroes and and, and jump in front of every camera they can, to try and and they and they show up, they show up at these places, and uh, you know, and and they they show up like like they're like like they're there to save the day, and we're I'm going to talk a little bit about showing up and and where to show up, but. Look, however you've got to, however you've got to find a good source of information, you know, find that source of information and then and then share it and and make sure that you stay in contact with people because one of the best ways to to prevent some of the atrocities that happens is is to shine a light on it and and that's what education is. They, that's why they call it being enlightened. The idea of, of of shining a light on some of these some of these you know the, the some of this travesty that that happens on native land. So education is is key. And we all can play a role in that. I mean, even if we ourselves don't have the information, we know where we can get it. Sometimes it comes to us, you know, by accident, uh, however we get it, and then we share it. That's that's just a, a simple thing. The other thing we do is we can support uh, support each other. And supporting each other can, can come in a, in a variety of ways. Obviously, that education and sharing some of the information is a part of that support. But offering words of encouragement i know this all stuff this sounds very very benign but it is important i think we do need to you know to to praise those people who are who are showing you know courage in the face of adversity but do in a way that uh, i don't want to give people a false sense of security about their you know their their vulnerability either but i mean by all means support and look i know there's a lot of people are going to say burn tobacco pray to whatever else that's not my thing but if that's what you want to do then by all means do it but don't let you know you know smoking candles be the only thing that you do i mean let's when i say support people there is financial support that's needed but there's there's also ways that you can you can help people who are not just going to the site of of a conflict but who are looking to do the next thing, which are which is nonviolent direct actions, locally, and and I'll tell you, those are more effective. I mean, ten thousand people showing up in Standing Rock didn't stop, you know, the 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 Dakota Access Pipeline. It made for good TV. It made for good videos and all of those drones that were showing this, you know, this you know makeshift village that was sent set up. I mean, it made for great numbers and all kinds of other stuff. But at the end of the day, if those people were just there. And not and not doing these nonviolent direct actions. And and again, I'm not advocating that anybody do do anything violent. I'm not saying that uh, that we should limit to what is quote unquote legal, but uh, but we should do we should look within the people that we we can support 
and do what we can to support nonviolent direct action. And and so what what's nonviolent direct action? Well, it might mean blocking a you know a, um, an entranceway. It may mean blocking a railroad track. It may mean you know building you know look part of this uh, uh, Unistodden um, camps were involved in building tiny homes putting people to live in these areas that, uh, that perhaps they didn't live in before to, to so they could be those protectors of the land and water. So this is about blocking. It might be about building. It, it could be about reclaiming either not just lost lands, but lands that have not been utilized in a way. And I don't mean that we've got to develop them and, you know, and turn into our, you know, our own worst enemy with developing some of these remote places. But there are things that we can do that are that are a part of this nonviolent direct and all that means is direct action means that you're physically doing something and beyond beyond the the facebook warrior stuff so that's i mean and and the again this nvda these this is a big thing because this is what causes this is what costs our opponents money and and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, but let me. I want to go through the list a little bit more, and but I'm going to circle back around to to this nonviolent direct action. The other thing is that we can do is, and, and people talk about divestment, you know, boycotting and divesting and that kind of stuff. You know, for, for those of us who who don't have a whole lot, we're not invested in the stock market. We can't change our portfolios and that kind of stuff. There's still ways of of making sure that you. Uh, that you don't use companies who are the most egregious actors in, in this in a lot of these conflicts and and frankly if you use a bank i don't care if you, how how you use a bank but but make the noise that that would encourage divestment from you know whether it's a, a retirement plan or whatever you whatever you may be involved in whether it's your your organization um whether it's your union, whatever it is, do what you can to divest from the companies who are doing, who are the most, you know, um, violent or, or or clearly the most oppressive people involved in some of these things. And of course, one of the easiest ways to divest is to use less fossil fuels. Most of these conflicts that I'm talking about is is where we are stopping either some sort of extraction or some sort of um, uh, distribution of, of fossil fuels, you know, and and it may it may mean that we we have to you know take some action against you know Canadian Rail uh, um, Railroad or 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 a pipeline or a company that's involved in, the, in this stuff. But this is but I'll tell you the one thing we shouldn't do: don't take the jobs. I mean, don't take the money that they're offering to shut you up. I mean that's a, and I'll get more into the into what we can't do, but but that divesting is something that we not only can do, but we again education we can encourage people to divest. Um, my friend Shawnee Rice and and one of her friends were down climbing flagpoles in New York City, hanging up big banners in front of uh, you know uh, Chase Morgan, uh, you know you know basically telling them you know calling them out for being the, the you know among the highest. Uh, uh, invested in the, the Dakota Access Pipeline and Keystone XL Pipeline and other things. So, you know, you can also, when it comes to divestment, you can you can make those public stands do the nonviolent direct action against um, companies who who should be divesting. So that that's another thing. Now the other other two things, um, look, I'll be the first one to to su- suggest that the mainstream media gets a lot wrong. 
and and this isn't about fake news necessarily. It's just about bias, and and most of it's racial bias. Pressure the mainstream media of whether it's your local stuff or whether it's the you know look I'm seeing stuff on the on you know um, uh, CBC and even even APTN, and some of the stuff is terrible. I mean, and not to, and that's on the Canadian side. On the U.S. side, oh, man, it's it isn't just Fox News; it's a problem. CNBC. I mean, all these guys now. Every once in a while, will, will somebody will, will come out of the you know out of the the, the woodwork and and make a, a comment that that is worth noting you know so maybe you do get you know somebody that comes out of MSNBC or, or, or Amy Goodman with with uh, Democracy Now or, or whatever else, but we need to pressure the mainstream media to 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 do the coverage and to and and you know what if, and if they get it wrong we need to call them out on getting it wrong. That's this is where social media and mainstream media, you know, we have an opportunity to, to to call them out. So pressuring the mainstream media is something else that we should do, and you know, and and we've got to do it by, by whatever ever, whatever means necessary. We've got to make sure that this stuff does get uh, get the proper coverage, especially when the, when physical abuse is coming out of this thing. When when we, when you know that people are being assaulted and they're being injured or or worse. Uh, we, have got to make sure that the mainstream media is all over it. Um, look, I'm not one that advocates us being involved in the political systems of the U S and Canada, but that doesn't mean that we can't pressure their, their elected officials or people who have an interest in their elected officials. We should, we should call them out and, and for every racist comment they make, every racist, you know, bill or resolution they promote. We've got to call them out on this stuff. So I, I think pressuring um, the, the elected officials of the can, of, of the countries who are perpetrating some of this stuff against us, so meaning U.S. and Canada in particular, the provinces as well, pressure the you know the folks involved in, in law enforcement, all of it. We need to pressure them. So these are these are among the things that we can do. Now let me get back to nonviolent direct action. One of the things that that happens though when when we do this when we t- when we block something we we put up a blockade we know eventually just like in Tandanega that that the cops are going to come the question is when we do these nonviolent direct actions and we do them close to our own homes so we we show we we actually perform acts of solidarity without having to go out to um um what's the northern territory or without having to go out to a Standing Rock or, or Bears Ears or wherever else the next place is, right? We don't actually have to make that trip. There are there are things that we often can do close to home, whether be, whether it's because the the very companies involved uh, in 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 the in the aggression <laughs> in the first place, they oftentimes are, are they have a presence in our own areas. We can make noise there. We can take actions there. But certainly, even if it's not about these companies, these Canadian or multinational companies, these U.S. Canadian companies, it's a, it's the U.S. And, and and Canada. I mean, look, we're I'm here in Seneca territory, western door of the uh, of the Haudenosaunee. There are border crossings here. Look, you want to you want to interfere with the you know with their commerce, then do a nonviolent direct action there. But here's the thing. We don't have to set up a permanent camp there. If we're blocking a railway, if we're blocking a highway, if we're, you know, if we're blocking a construction site, just keep in mind that we can go home and come back later. 
<laughs> you know, and I say this because the experience that we had here in Seneca Territory back in the 90s was when we would do something, we wouldn't just stand there and let ourselves get arrested or try to get in a situation where we're going to be into a physical conflict with the police. It did happen. But what we would do is we'd, we'd let the police presence come. We'd go home, eat dinner, get in a good night's sleep. We'd come back out the next day someplace else. We have the luxury when we're doing these things in, in, in our home areas, close to home, we have, the, we have the luxury of having the comfort of our own homes within driving distance or sometimes walking distance. So let the police, let the law enforcement, let, let, let the powers that be be the ones that are inconvenient. Let them have to come and, and you know, spend $30,000 or you know, $30 million a month in, uh, in, in, in putting uh, a police presence that you know no way in hell would they do it otherwise. They sure aren't going to put that kind of police presence because somebody turned, a native woman turned up missing. But I guarantee you block a you block a rail line, they're going to send out the resources. So let them send out the resources. And you know what? We'll block it someplace else the next time. Keep them on the run. Let's let's not get in a situation where we think part of the answer is getting arrested. I, look, that's what white people do, right? That's what celebrities do. They show up at these events and they get arrested and they get they get a slap on the wrist and they've got the resources to pay for the lawyers and everything else. We we get ourselves arrested. And the, and the next thing you know, they're, they're physically assaulting us or they're, they're insulting us in such a way it turns into a more, more of a physical confrontation. When these white celebrities get arrested, they don't get beat up. They aren't getting clubbed like, like what our people do. So look, let the white people, if that's what they want to do, if they, if they think that's the way that they, they need to stand up and help us, by all means, I encourage that, that help. But I think it's wrong for any of us to give more credence to their, their legal system. And, and, their, and their justice system. Because it isn't a justice system. It's more of a just us system. system. So, look, we need to understand that we have the upper hand. One of the things that, and, and I've t- mentioned this before, Canada did uh, an, an analysis, uh, or actually this this, thing, this this organization called the McDonald uh, Laurier, uh, they do these reports. They hired this guy who wrote a book um, about conflict, I guess. His name is Douglas Bland. And he wrote one of these McDonald Laurier reports. And in it, he talked about using an, uh, a, a computer model developed by one of the Ivy League schools up, uh, up in the East here. And, uh, that would assess the likelihood or the percentage or the, you know, uh, again, uh, the, again, the likelihood of a, of an insurgency. And even a violent insurgency from indigenous people in Canada. And this was, you know, coming, this was being looked at as the Idle No More movement was, was gaining some traction. And, you know, we came out of the Oka crisis and, and, and so many other things that were going on. So they, when, when this guy used this computer model, which, which just asked for standard, you know, available public information, came to the determination that Canada was ripe for a, uh, an insurgency uh, by indigenous people. But here are the things that, w- that was, was taken into consideration. For one thing, the population, um, the poverty associated with the population. What, what were the age demographics? You know, where were we, where, in what age group were we kind of building up a, a you know, a large segment of our population? Um, where were, where we were living? You know, uh, where were, was Canadian infrastructure? as it relates to where we the lands that we occupied and and among those things they determined that that much of the canadian infrastructure was very very vulnerable 
to um, nonviolent direct action, you know, by indigenous people. Why? Because because they ran that crap right through our territories. Or, and, and, and they certainly ran much of their infrastructure far from where they lived, at least from, far from where they lived permanently. I mean, they have to establish these man camps because when they go in to build, or, or whether it's the extractive industries or these pipelines, they don't have local people to work these jobs. They bring them in from other places. And it's the same, same thing that goes for, the, for their security or the police or whatever else that they're going to bring in. So they're, they're, they're really vulnerable, and, and they know it. Look, we don't have a big population. We're not going to stand toe-to-toe and do battle with, with Canada or the United States or, or even a province. And, and I'm going to get into the legal thing in a, in a, uh, probably more in the second half of the show when I, when I get to the things that we can't do. But the things that we can do is that we can, we can be a pain in the ass. And that's what, the, first and foremost, the whole idea of doing a direct action is to be inconvenient. I mean, and, and part of this has to do with costing them money. Costing them money. And, and I'll go back to, again, here in Seneca Territory. When we were battling New York State over uh, tobacco um, taxation and um, and. and them trying to fight us over uh fuel tax and that kind of stuff we were costing new york state something like 33 million dollars a month 33 million dollars 33 million i'm sorry 33 million dollars a month now and that's back in the 90s so the the whole idea and i look i know that you know one of the longest shutdowns was happening up in tandanaga where where the uh, canadian rail system was being shut down that cost them money Look, we have the seaway that goes through our territories. We have trains that go through our territories. We have highways that go through our territories. We have border crossings that go through our territories. There is any number of things that we can do that can disrupt Canadian and U.S. commerce. And is it, is it going to cause inconvenience to us? Yes, absolutely it is. But when, if you're going to ask, what can we do? Well, this is what we can do. And so if you want to know how to support, again, there's all different levels that, that people can can step up. Simple things, education, but more physically, getting get involved in some of these nonviolent direct actions. Take some look, destroy some equipment for crying out loud. No, yeah, and I'm, yeah is it vandalism? Is it illegal? Yes, it's illegal, but don't get caught either. <laughs> I mean, look, I hate to sound you know like I, you know like I'm promoting you know some you know some real violent criminal activity. I'm not. But you know what? If trucks started showing up on my territories with, you know, those those $5,000 tires, uh, you know, on these big earth movers, I think a uh, hand, you know, a cordless drill with a hole saw might be one of the best tools. I mean, do something. I mean, do something to stop them. And, and, and you know what? <laughs> Take your stand and then leave. And I, and I can't, I don't know how to impress upon our people this. I know we have this, this spirit in us, in us that wants us to fight. And men and women. But you know what? They don't care. They don't care if they, if they, if they hurt somebody or kill somebody. They'll justify it. So I'm not interested in, in even killing them because there's, there's too many of them. So that's not, I'm not talking about trying to, to physically injure them, but financially injure them. 
I mean, let do the things that are going to cost the U.S., Canada, New York State, if need be, uh, is, is what we went through here in, uh, in in Seneca Territory, or whether it's the the provinces, B.C. Let B.C. incur a cost for what's happening in Wet'suwet'en Territory. Let Ontario incur a cost for what's what's happening. Let Quebec incur a cost. These are the things that we need to do. We need to figure out what is the what are the things that we can do that will be most effective in in, in putting a financial hurt on them. Look, we're not going to break them, and it's not going to. I mean, it, it, it's more going to be a bump in their economy than 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 destroying their economy. And, and you know, there are some things that we can do that could have bigger impact. And I'm not I'm not suggesting that we've got to do anything terribly radical. Uh, you know, people will do what they do, <laughs> but I mean, we used to we used to go down and shut the throughway down. We haven't done that in a long time here, not in Seneca territory. In fact, the last time there was even a discussion about shutting the ter- ter- uh, the, the throughway down, people said, "Oh, you better not do that." You know, they've got the Patriot Act now, and you'll end up in a cage in Guantanamo Bay or something like that. Always wanted to go to Cuba, not that section of Cuba, but always wanted to go to Cuba. But no, this is, we we get talked out of it by our own people. You know, and, and, and I'm going to get into that a little bit more, like I said, in the second half of the show. Because we get, it, we get caught into this thing about, well, what are, what are the leaders saying? Well, I'll tell you what some of the leaders are saying, and it ain't good. It ain't good. I mean, I understand that if you're in a position of where you represent your people, one of your, your deep concerns is the safety of your people. But... There's short-term safety and there's long-term safety. If you're allowing the, some of this, these terrible things to happen to our, to our lands, then you are putting your, the safety of your people in jeopardy. And, and, and I get it. There are people who are you know, so committed to, to nonviolence and non-direct action and that kind of stuff that, that they don't want to do anything. And you know what? They're not going to do anything anyway. But then they start speaking out against their own people who, who are willing to, to put themselves sometimes physically on the line. And at some point, we have to. And, and I'm not saying that's the only front in any of these battles. Like I said, I mentioned first off, education. Education first and foremost. But if we are going to block a highway, then somebody should know why we're blocking a highway. But we don't all have to get famous, individually famous, for doing this stuff. I mean, there's, one, there's a reason that we wear, wear face masks. Not because, because we're committing a crime. We just don't want to be targeted later on. So, look, we have to re- really think this stuff through. And let those who can do, do what they can do. But, it, it, look, if you're... If you have some media expertise, social media expertise, then by all means offer your services. But if and and if you have construction, you know knowledge, and you know how to you know you know create more vulnerability to to whatever the build might be, whether it's a pipeline, whether it's you know equipment, whether it's you know setting up mining operations or whatever else. Look, we need we need to take a firmer stand. Not just on our territories either. You know, we're not talking about blocking highways here. We've got you know uh, what three three bridges that cross from between uh, um, Niagara Falls and um, uh, uh, Buffalo, Niagara Falls, and, and and the Canadian side. We can disrupt traffic a little bit. Hell, half the time when we want to when we want to travel across those borders, we get held up. So um, there, there are things we can do. We have border crossings in Aquasasne, and uh, you know, look, there's, there's any number of things that we can do. 
but there's physical things that we can do and then there's there's things that we can do um that are clearly more passive and and i don't have a problem with those actions either all right we're at the bottom of the hour so i'm gonna take a break but when i come back i want to i want to talk about things that we can't do that we shouldn't do that we mustn't do and you, you'll you want to hear this one out so come back this is john kane this is let's talk native All right, thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Hey, I want to thank our sponsors. Uh, Let's Talk Native is sponsored by Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses, Eric White and ERW Enterprises, and uh, and the folks at Grand River Enterprises and uh, in Six Nations. Look, and the, and the first two companies are, are from here in Cataraugus. We don't have a lot of sponsors, but we got the sponsors that uh, that allow us to do this show on a weekly basis, twice a week actually, and uh, and do a show in New York as well. Uh, I want to make a note. I won't be going to New York this Thursday. Um, they're doing a fundraiser special or something. Uh, I may just uh, I might jump on uh, Facebook and do a do a live stream on Thursday in my normal slot anyway, at least for an hour. So maybe we'll do something there's still there's so much going on that i hate to miss a week uh or or the middle of the week uh in addressing issues so maybe i'll jump on jump online on thursday as well um hey look i i, I not only want to thank those sponsors who help us uh on a weekly basis or the monthly basis but those of you who from time to time will drop some money in on uh, our paypal account you can find that on our, our on our website uh, let's talk native dot com uh those of you who you know put a check in the mail and they and they do that from time to time uh, some of you do and i appreciate it but i also appreciate appreciate those of you who support the show by sharing the show and encouraging other people to check us out obviously i offer a perspective that isn't always uh the most widely held view on, on many of these issues and and I, I take it back i think it is a more widely held view but it's not a widely shared view in any social media everybody else is too busy trying to be you know uh, holy rollers or, or you know or being <laughs> you know passing themselves off as you know some mystic figures or whatever else not me I, look I think these issues need to be confronted, and I'm not afraid to, to say the things that, uh, that, that need to be confronted, including confronting some of our own people. You know, sometimes I'll be, I'll be criti- uh, criticized for that. I mean, oh, geez, you always got something negative to say about our people. Look, I probably am among many of the people who are on social media who are prepared to call out some of our own people. And I'm going to do a little bit of that, do a little bit of that today as well. But I, I do want to tell, again, I want to thank those of you who share the show. My wife, she shares, um, our Facebook live stream from our original, uh, from our Let's Talk Native page. And she shares on another 20 or 30 pages. So, uh, it gets out there. And of course, those of you who share the podcasts and the YouTube videos, uh, I appreciate all of that. So again, I want to, I want to thank you guys um all right so there are things that we can't do and and among those things and it gets back to i talked a little about the divestment earlier one of the things that we have to decide is who we are are we gonna at some point if we haven't already divide divest ourselves of this canadian and u.s identity I mean, as we're fighting the U.S. and Canada, as we're fighting the states and the provinces, one of the things we can't do is we can't keep claiming that they are ours or that we are theirs. Look, I heard one of these, again, quote-unquote hereditary chiefs, you know, on APTN, 
you know, making his, you know, uh, uh, what was his name was uh, uh, Namox. And I may not be saying, saying that right, but, but, and there he is in his traditional, you know, uh, regalia, his, out, you know, his, his dress, his clothing. And, you know, he, you know, he speaks like an elder, but then what does he say? He says, Oh, I've lost faith in our, in our justice system. But then we won in court. Now I have faith in our, and he's calling their courts his justice system. Wait a second. If you're supposed to be traditional, why are you claiming the Canadian court system as your courts that you now have renewed faith in? And, and, and then he went on to say, you know, that they seem to be recognizing them as British Columbians and as Canadians. Look, we've got to decide. Are we them or are we us? Because it is a us and them situation here. And I'm not saying that we don't have allies on the Canadian, you know, that are Canadians or allies that are Americans. I don't know that, look, whether we win a, in a court hearing or not, those courts aren't there for us. I mean, look, we, we saw how it all played out in Standing Rock as well. You, you get these elected chiefs or these appointed chiefs or, or, or even these so-called traditional chiefs who will stand up and advocate themselves as Canadians, as Americans, as North Dakotans, as British Columbians. I mean, and, and what can be more offensive than be, being called a British Columbian? I mean, I get that image of what a British Columbian is, is, you know, you know, I can't get that out of my mind. But we can't keep calling ourselves Canadians as we're fighting Canada. If we want to fight for our sovereignty and our distinction, and, and we want to talk about living on this land since time immemorial, and we want to talk about uh, uh, advocating or advancing our traditional governments, well, if, if these traditional leaders are calling themselves Canadians and British Columbians or Americans or North Dakotans or whatever the hell else they are, that is a problem. <laughs> so, you know, when these people get up there and they, and they start speaking for us and then they say that stuff and, and then they want to talk about, oh, we're willing, winning this war. No, you're talking about legal proceedings in a court system that is skewed against us their laws do not recognize us our distinction and even when a, when we win in a court case i would never go into into court to fight this stuff it, now i might get dragged into the courts and then i then i'll defend myself but the idea of me accepting that the courts have the power to adjudicate a conflict like this look there is no question and and look, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of of the United Nations, but there is no question that that what the United States and Canada are doing to it's to the indigenous population as well as other countries, but these are the ones who are supposed to be the champions for human rights, right? Well, they aren't. They are violating the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. I mean, look, regardless of how you feel about that. There's language in there that talks about free, prior, and informed consent. And, of course, the question is, consent from who? From a guy who says he now has faith in the, in the Canadian, in, in his Canadian court systems? That guy doesn't have, have consent to speak for me. 
And you know what? If you if you're putting your ass on the line up in uh, what's Orton territory, and some guy in in you know fancy traditional clothing gets up and starts calling himself Canadian, you better have a discussion with that old man, because that's a problem. These are the things that we can't do. We need to make sure that people understand that we are not New Yorkers. We are not Americans. We are not U.S. citizens. We aren't Canadians. We aren't Quebecois. And I don't care how much their Indian Act or their uh, um, Indian Reorganization Act on the U.S. side, how much these things try to define us within, uh, within a subjugation of people as a tribe, band, or nation of Indians suborned to the laws of the United States or Canada. <laughs> Let's keep in mind that the four nations who voted against the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples were U.S., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. And even as those countries tried to make nice by saying, oh, you know, we kind of support the aspirations of, those declara- of that declaration. No, you don't. No, you don't. This is, well, we, we do. We, we support the idea of them, provided it doesn't conflict with our laws. Well, you know what? That's the goddamn problem. Your laws stand in stark violation of what the, of what the rest of the international community, at least on paper, is willing to say is the minimum standard that states should operate under as it relates to people who predate their existence on a, on a, on a given piece of land. Now, the international community is a huge letdown. Don't get me wrong. But the fact that they'll put that crap in writing and, and then we won't even call them out, uh, call them out on it. Look, I'm not going to cite U.S. law. I'm not going to cite, you know, some of these bullshit treaties that people want to try to wrap themselves up in. And, and, and I'm sorry. We better stop using these treaties to define us. We better define ourselves through our own culture, through our own history, a history that predates the U.S. and Canada. That's what defines us. Use our language to the extent that we can. But then when we translate that language, make sure that we choose our words wisely that we don't choose words of of subjugation to a dominant force around us these are the things that we cannot do because words matter and when when somebody stands up there on television or or in a court proceeding and puts their words on the record on the public record saying some of this stuff it's a little hard to put that smoke back in a bottle folks so we need to correct our people right from the start. And look, I'm not going to put anybody up on a pedestal. I'm not going to put an elected chief, chairman, president, or a hereditary. I, I, I don't. I don't get the whole hereditary chief. I'm, I'm holding a Shoney. We don't have those. We we have this idea. This word "chief" is a Scottish thing. I think it's a Scottish word. It's not even our word. It's not our language. In our culture, we have people who carry carry a voice for us. They carry our words. They don't, they don't occupy our voice. They are servants of the people. Well, if your servant is speaking publicly and condemning you to subjugation by calling you a Canadian or a British Columbian, I'm sorry, that's a problem. And if you don't recognize the problem, then you've already lost the fight, folks. So, look, I, I get a little impassioned about this stuff because it pisses me off. When I see those people who get the media coverage, and I don't care if, if these are the, the celebrity protesters or 
these tribal chairmen or women. You know, uh, you know, I think about Teresa Spence completely taking the wind out of the sails of Idle No More, a, a, a movement that was purposely void of leadership. It was grassroots at its core. So what does Teresa Spence do? She goes on and, well, I'm going to do a hunger strike. And she turns the whole thing about her. Look, these people, I don't care if, if they're band counselors. I don't care if they're elected counselors. I don't care if they're traditional. Uh, we need to make sure, first and foremost, whether you support the system or not, they have no authority other than what you give them. They have no authority to speak. Look, if somebody is, is great in the language, and we've had this experience. We've had people that, that we knew, you know, when they spoke Mohawk, man, they could speak well and they could speak powerful. Then they would try to translate it, and you find out, you know, he can speak Mohawk pretty good, but he sure can't speak English very well. Well, we, we've got to make, we, we have to be painstakingly clear as we're communicating to people, not to communicate some level of subjugation to them the strength is our history the strength that we have is the fact that we've been here as far as they're concerned forever but the second we start claiming ourselves to be new yorkers or british columbians or canadians or or u.s citizens or americans that history means nothing. Now we've just bound ourselves to whatever their black words on white paper say. Look, our future depends on making sure that we carried some of our past forward. And that doesn't mean we don't progress as a people, but it means that we don't take a back seat and we don't let their labels, their courts, their cops, look, I've, I know what it's like to face the, the judicial system. And I won't say that I lost, but I lost two years of my life because of it. But I'm damn sure not going to come out of a situation like that with my tail between my legs. And, and I'm going to try to be smarter the next time that, I, that I'm faced with, with this kind of conflict. And I'm not going to give somebody bad advice about going into a situation that could be not only life-threatening, but life-altering. Look, when you've been sent to, the, to prison, you start to measure your, your time, your life. That's one of those milestones. You say, well, yeah, well, there was my life before I went and there was life after I went. And hopefully you've got some other great <laughs> milestones in your life, your marriage, your children, your grandchildren, some of these great things that have happened in, in, in your life. But then you have the tragedies, the lives that were lost, the tragic accidents, the conflicts that took you and placed your ass in a prison for two years. Look, we've got to make sure that we communicate properly. You know, I, I, the first thing I talked about was education. But if we're going to get out, if we're going to find ourselves in, on social media, mainstream media, in, 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 in court testimonies, claiming that we want to be treated like other Canadians. You know, I, I posted a meme the other day. I said, look, some people fight for equality. Other people fight to be free. 
Well, we've got to decide what we're fighting for. Because if what you're fighting for in Wet'suwet'en territory is to be is to have equality with other Canadians, then you're going to lose my support. Because I want to fight for your right to be free. Your right to, to a free and independent existence in your territories. That's what we should all be fighting for. Not for equality under Canadian law or equality under U.S. law. Because, you know, this idea of equality, it gets measured in numbers. And our numbers aren't there. You know what? They viewed us as selfish people. Because as they, as they eliminated our population, as they depopulated our lands, they said, oh, look at those selfish Indians. All more land than they, than they could possibly use. That's wrong. They started looking at us and, and saying that because we had, because the land we occupied was land that they wanted and the land we occupied, they thought was more than what we deserved. That's how they justified killing us, you know, killing us even more. So no, I don't want equality with that mindset. I don't want to be treated as a Canadian or an American. And it's not because I think we're, it's not, this isn't about, you know, superiority. I'm not saying we're better, but we're different. Our history is different. Our shared history is clearly different from a perspective because it's a shared history where they are the aggressor and, we, and we've been the, the victims of genocide for 500 years. But our history goes way back before then. There is much that we can do. But we better keep in mind that there are some things that we can't do. We can't fight the U.S. in the way that we want to fight the U.S. We can't fight Canada. We can't fight their companies, their, their multinational corporations, by their rules, in their courts. They just write paper. They just make shit up. They don't have to worry about whether the right and wrong of something. Because that's not what their justice system is about. Slavery was legal. In Germany, the gas chambers, what they, what they put the Jewish people through and, and, uh, and, and, and the others who, who were executed, that was legal. Why? Because Germany said it was legal. The genocide that our people have experienced has been legal. Lynchings, they, as far, if, if, if law is not enforced, then, it, then it's legal. Our missing and murdered indigenous women, if nobody is prosecuted for that stuff, then it's legal. We've got to decide not whether we're going to get a fair shake in their courts or not, because we're not. We've got to decide whether we have the resolve to either dig in where we need to dig in or find a way to kick the can until we're in a better position to fight. And, and, and when I say fight, I don't mean pick up arms necessarily. I don't mean, you know, fight a, a, fight a bloody, you know, violent conflict. There are many ways to fight something. But the, the worst way to fight is the one where they control the game. They have the judges. They have the lawyers. They have the jails. They have the, uh, the law enforcement. 
that's not going into a that's like going into a gunfight with a with a pebble so we've got to decide who we are are we british columbians really that's what i mean i there's no way in hell that i will believe that the folks who are fighting this fight in Wet'suwet'en territory are british columbians but when i hear somebody and i know look i know some of you probably have a great deal of respect for this guy who got up on uh, in 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 this news interview and i suspect some of you cringed when you heard some of his language but damn it we better do more than cringe we got to correct the record so look i this is the part that that bothers me about what people claim you know those who claim to be leaders hypocrisy contradiction i look for the contradictions in their system to exploit it and to show the weakness of their system well they do the same thing to us they're looking for the weak links look i've said it before we've got to we've got to rethink what our identities are are we christians are we soldiers are we canadians most of our words when you translate you know the words that we use to describe ourselves at at, at its foundation is the people then and the rest of it might be the people of a place we use a way to describe our people or something that is distinctly characteristic about our, our people but it's always the people it's always being a human being. This idea of, of claiming to be a nation with a boundary and a border, that's unnatural. That's a European thing, predominantly. That's, that's something that comes from the, 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 the monarchies of Europe, drawing lines in the sand, man-made identities. See, our identities are natural. They're, they're born of the places, not the boundaries, but the place and the characteristics of the land. Look, I realize some boundaries are rivers or mountain ranges, and, but it's not the boundaries, it's the mountain ranges. It's the rivers that define us. It's the, it's the coastlines. It's the sun rising or the sun setting. We've got to re- rethink the words that we use and make sure regardless of what language we're using because look if we're speaking in our native tongue but thinking in english if we're speaking in our native tongue and and when we say something we're still referring to ourselves only in our own language as a subjugated people something less than them that's what we're teaching our children we have to reclaim ourselves because that land is being ripped away. Even when we're not asked to move, they'll run a pipeline through it. They'll put a railway through it. They'll run highways through it. They'll run trucks through it. They'll build man camps to, to you know to pull you know, fossil fuels, you know, um, mineral extraction out of our territories. And if we're only 
asserting ourselves as Canadians or Americans or U.S. citizens, as British Columbians, then we've just redefined who we are. Because I'm not supporting British Columbians. I want to educate some British Columbians. I hate to even use that expression, but I want to educate some people. I want them to see the perspective that we have. But I'll tell you, when I hear this traditional hereditary chief stand up there and call himself a Canadian or a British Columbian who has renewed faith in his Canadian court systems, wow. All I can say is just wow. This is part of our undoing. So this is what we've got to regroup to. There is much that we can do. And we need to support each other. But we have to have confidence that the people who stand up and speak for us, that they do so with proper authority. Because if they're wrong, if they're miscommunicating something, then, they're, then what they're saying is not unauthorized. And tradition doesn't automatically give somebody authority. Look, we've got to, I said from the beginning, we've got to educate ourselves and others. We better understand what the right words are in our language and a way to translate it. Because there, look, I hear people say, well, the problem is that things don't translate well. You know what? If it takes you 10 minutes to explain a native concept, then take the 10 minutes and explain the native concept. If you have to explain a governing system or, or a, a process that may flow very very well in, in our in our native tongue, but you have to use other metaphors and other ways of describing it in English, then take the time to do it. Because you know what? Here's the problem. We're shortcutting and and, and short arming so many of our concepts that we that we are the ones who are miscommunicating it. And this this chief on APTN, there's a prime example. And you know, and I hate to to criticize this individual or or you know or to crucify this individual. But who's putting the bug in his ear? Where is he getting his information from? I am very, very troubled by how many native peoples have this sense that they need to have a white man represent them and give them the, give them the words to say. They got to hire uh, a lobbying firm or a consulting, uh, you know, consulting consultancy agency or a, um, a lawyers. They got to hire experts on us that we need to find a white man who is an expert on us to, to, to speak for us or to speak about us. Because we don't feel like we can do it ourselves? I see it everywhere. Even as we move into these conflicts. Because look, I know the people on the front line. I know what they're saying. And I agree with them. But if the people who are, who are miles behind them, who claim to be speaking with authority, are, are cutting their legs out, with language like this, that's a problem. Look, I appreciate you guys listening to the show. And by all means, <laughs> offer your thoughts, offer your, your, your commentary. And look, we don't have to put everything that we can do 
on Facebook. <laughs> but I don't mind putting it out on Facebook, the things that we can't do. We can't miscommunicate and we can't misidentify ourselves. It's really important that we, that we grab a hold and take command of our own identities. I want to thank you for listening. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh.